Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. <laughs> I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to Progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. It's finally happened. The Inside Line F1 podcast has got the wings and Red Bull gave it to us. What a lovely morning. The best Sunday morning ever in my life. Yes, of course, whenever I see a Formula 1 car, it's a brilliant Sunday morning. But Kunal, this probably is one of the biggest days in the history of our podcast. Absolutely. And let me add to it. Mm-hmm. When you see a Formula 1 car with a V8 engine, oh. <laughs> it just becomes an even more... <laughs> important sunday of our lives it's it's like the diwali crackers isn't it like it's loud it's it's colorful and you enjoy it and it crackles <laughs> hyderabad became the fastest city this morning because it hosted the red bull f1 show run uh, david kultard was here and we had a great gala time with him a day before when we actually did the press conference with him then later i got the opportunity of hosting uh, the f1 show run on the necklace road and and just Besides the lake, it was so beautiful, so picturesque. It was awesome and I'm all of envy, Rishi. But I'll tell you what. What? I absolutely loved the conversation that the three of us had. <laughs> and David himself agreed that Formula 1 needs a lot of humor. So we are actually somewhere, uh, you know, in the positive side of the demand-supply gap. Yes, and coming from India, well, it does it does put us in good light. And <laughs> uh, let's not forget, Formula 1 also needs some fun, some light moments. We had that with David and we'd, we'd like for you to listen to it. Absolutely. Let's not waste more time because the fans have tuned in for two different reasons. The first, or I may not know if it's the first, the first is to hear David Coulthard debut on the Inside Line F1 podcast. Woo-hoo! And the second is to hear the V8 fire up, which you and I were absolutely lucky to be a part of. Yeah, we go. Be gentle with me. No, yeah, yeah. two against one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can feel free to add all the jokes that you think of okay. because we are all about humor. So okay. we look forward uh, to those. We're uh, going to keep it light, very Formula yeah. 1 based, yeah. a little more technical than the others are. Okay. Because we are catering to a global audience. Okay. All right, let's begin. You have some appetite for this, I'm so impressed. <laughs> How many years of doing PR work for you? Oh, I guess uh, professionally it would only really have started when I was in Formula 1 94. Um, but it, the reality is when you come up through lower formula karting and everything, you, you're always having to either talk to your dad as a sponsor or <laughs> other sponsors or your granny or something. So, you know, you have to learn. Uh, and every sportsman has their story. It's like fisherman stories, isn't it? You know, the, the fish that got away. Right. Uh, racing drivers, and, and you'll know from your BMW time, you've got excuses as to why you didn't win every race. Or oh, maybe yeah. you were lucky. Did you win every race? <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, In well, fact, which is something that we're going to, you know, uh, carry on into the podcast as well. But Rishi, on to you. Come. Uh, uh, you know, we've seen you recently, you know, interviewing all kinds of drivers and mechanics and even the owners and so on. When is the last time you got interviewed now? Because you've gone on the other side of Formula 1. Well, because of the things I do with Red Bull, uh, with the running show cars, then, then I am then still being reminded of being 
interviewed. Um, but it, it does feel normal now for me to be on the other side mm -hmm. asking the questions. Uh, yeah, I, I've got to say that it wasn't always the most exciting as a driver on a Thursday to be asked, <laughs> what's your expectations for the weekend? Because I don't have crystal balls, you know, it's like, I, it's, how can you see into the future? You know, your expectation is that you have a great weekend, but you know, you have to answer the same question over and over. Well, what was your funniest question that somebody's ever asked you then? Were all these years of PR? I, I don't think I ever was ever really asked a funny question. I think I try to give some funny answers sometimes. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm not sure if it's appropriate to give you an example on your blog. <laughs> it's probably a family, family uh, I'll tell you when we stop recording. <laughs> I tell you what we've been asked. We've been asked for the people who absolutely don't understand. There's Formula One, a left-hand drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, actually, um, Ayrton Senna's manager from IMG, mm -hmm. who knew nothing about Formula One when he first went to... Uh, a test at Silverstone, he walked to the front of the McLaren car and asked how they fitted the engine in the front. <laughs> he didn't realize it was in the back. So, you know, a lot of people don't know anything about Formula One. Yes, yeah, that's that's impressive. But, you know, uh, we, have a, we have a fan called Jamie who asked us, and this is a little below the belt, but, you know, you never won a world championship, and he believes number 13 was lucky for you, so we'll come to that. But why did you not, why do you believe you didn't win a world championship? Was it you? Was it luck? Was it Hakkinen? Or was it Team Orders at McLaren? No, I think in the end okay. they were, yeah, Michael <laughs> and uh, Mika were just a bit stronger. They were just better. And I don't think there's any shame in acknowledging that sometimes you, you have someone who's better at doing something than you are. I think that I had reasonable success in Formula One and I was able to, to win some races and what have you. But I, I feel no shame in, in coming up short. Of course, I would have loved to have won. But I would rather finish second in an era where you've got the best driver uh, than, than uh, win a, a championship in a year that was seen as being a bit weak. Yes. yes. So David, very, very important Grand Prix is the Australian Grand Prix where you and Mika had a bet, is what is being said. <laughs> Whosoever goes in the first corner first wins the race, uh, then you came in the lead, uh, then you let him through. Uh, Everybody wants to know what happened on the radio. We'd like to know yeah. as well. Well, we didn't have a bet. We had an agreement because the team, we had been very unreliable in winter testing. We'd never done a Grand Prix prior to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And the team knew that we had a quick car. So it was a way of trying to mean that we didn't push each other 100%. Um, otherwise, the car would break. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Mika suggested doing it on qualifying, but I knew he was a better qualifier. So I said, well, it should be after the first corner. And unfortunately, he got to the first corner first. And, and then when he made a mistake and pitted again and ended up behind me, mm -hmm. the team obviously came on and asked me to let him pass. So I did, and I did it on the start-finish straight. And I remember Ron Dennis was, he said, why didn't you do it? more subtly so people didn't know and I was like what to, to add insult to injury make it look like I ran off the circuit so oh very in insightful I must say yeah. you know but but you were competing with with Mika and Michael at the same time yeah. and sometimes you know during the season you know but that maybe these two are now fighting for the championship and I'm not and you know it, it can be hurtful at times but you want to you want to win every world championship yeah. that you enter what is your uh advice to Nico Rosberg right now? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing Nico has to do is to beat Lewis. If he beats Lewis, then the rest will take care of itself. But if he's not beating him, then the, the game is over. You know, it's as simple as that. And in the same way, all I needed to do was to beat Mika. Easy to say, difficult to do. So 
you know, it's in Lewis's in Nico's hands. If he, we know he's got the speed, mm-hmm. we know he's got the car. He just needs to harness it consistently enough to be in front of of uh, Lewis. There was a little edge that Lewis. Yeah, I mean, since you've been in that position, yeah. like you said, Lewis has that racer's edge. He's a very good wheel-to-wheel racer. He's very instinctive, and I think that's what makes him very difficult to beat. So moving on to the complex hybrid formula that we see, and you know, there's a token system which, yeah. trust me, I still haven't got you know ranks to. But would you be interested in driving the V8 tomorrow or the V6s today? My favorite was the V10s. Okay. Because the V8s um, were were quite peaky in their torque, so you had to rev the engine a lot to get performance. Uh, where the V10s, you you know, you could actually drive the car off the corner a bit better. I did drive the hybrid uh, engine car last year. I drove the Williams in a uh, feature for BBC. Okay. So it's a very different way of of getting the power because you're using the electrical power straight away. So you have a lot of torque instantly which gives you traction problems. So you have to use the gear. They have to fuel save. We never fuel saved. We just <laughs> went as fast as we could for as long as we could. So it's a different way of Grand Prix racing. But one thing's absolutely for sure, the best drivers will still exploit the, the absolutely. regulations to the maximum. So if there was a team and there was a teammate you could yeah. choose in 2015, which one would it be? And you can't tell me Red Bull Racing. From the drivers? From the current team and drivers? Uh, Well, it depends. Uh, The driver I know for the longest uh, is probably Jensen Button. Hmm. Um, But someone that I've been super impressed with and uh, the way he's uh, brought a fresh energy to Formula 1 is Daniel Ricciardo. He really did something special last year and I I believe he will continue to do special things in the future. Perfect. David, these cars that you see these days, they're said to be very complex in terms of getting them fitted together, etc. But back in the day when you were in F1, when one, a youngster joined in F1, he really struggled to come in terms of the car. These days, rookies just get into the car and, and they're in the points straight away. Is it that these cars are relatively easier to drive or are the simulators making life easy? Well, if you're a simulator developer, you're going to say it's because of the simulators. But what you can't simulate is the the, the physical movement or the fear of driving Mm -hmm. a proper racing car. So Mm -hmm. the simulator, of course, has its place. Of course, it helps. But it will not... You will not make a... Lewis Hamilton or Fernando Alonso or whoever your favourite driver is, you will not make him on a simulator. Mm -hmm. He still needs to get out on track. I think the cars are slower today than they were in 2004 mm-hmm. and the faster they are the more physical they are because you're pulling more g-force in the corners so physically the cars are a bit easier to drive they're still tough but talking to the drivers they, they say they're a bit easier to drive um, now when I say easier I mean physically I don't mean that a bad driver will suddenly win a good driver still a good driver so it's just different it's a different way of, of exploiting the technology today so the next one is a very interesting question about a lot of research we did about you. So in our view, you're one of the only drivers we know who survived a Formula One car crash and a plane crash. So have you taken some crash courses on crashing? Is, is there something that I've is taken, a secret? Uh, I've taken crash courses on survival. That's okay. the most important thing. <laughs> because if you race, you Did you crash. ever train Pastor Maldonado then? <laughs> Pastor, he's a lovely guy. Yes. Um, and he's got speed. He won the Spanish Grand Prix. But he does seem and to And he find didn't get ten, 10 races, no points after that. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it is a bit difficult to understand why uh, he, he seems to be at the scene of a lot of accidents. But he was unfortunate <laughs> in Melbourne. He got clipped and spun around. So let's, let's give him a bit more time and see what he does. But, you know, given, given your crash uh, lessons that you've had, you're probably eligible for an Indian driver's license. Would you, <laughs> would you drive on the Indian roads? 
I'm, I'm very comfortable being driven. <laughs> uh, you know, I need to be going. We believe you came here on a scooter because of traffic today. Is that true or false? If you would like it to be true, I can answer and say yes, I did. But the, the, the truth is... Did you wear the Scottish flag on your helmet I, I, today? I, I did. I had a Superman cape, a Scottish helmet. Um, I had uh, five members of my extended family on the scooter with me. Okay, okay. you see what happens in, in, in Formula 1 racing is somebody starts winning, rules are changed, someone else starts winning. Why is this happening? Why can't we just keep the rules consistent? And Because, you know, rules don't change in cricket or football yeah. for, for a winner. Yeah, it's a very good question. The technology is the aspect of why they change. Because if you, if you didn't cap the size of the wings or you didn't cap, the, you know, certain aspects of the performance, then they would, they would just become so fast mm -hmm. because of new developments that the cars would almost be too fast for the track. So that's one of the reasons why the FIA keep changing things. And also to try and reduce an advantage that one team may have over another by, if it's a technology that everyone else will then apply. Mm -hmm. So rather than everyone having to spend 10 million pounds or whatever it is developing that, that particular um, new aerodynamic <coughs> aid, they, they ban it. And, uh, and then if they find another way to try and find an advantage. There's nothing to do with... Red Bull winning so many <laughs> championships. Despite I think if you look at the history of the sport, uh, as sensitive as, as Red Bull may be to regulation change, it's happened through the history of the sport with Active Ride, when Williams had a huge advantage, mm -hmm. they banned Active Ride, whether it was the period when McLaren were winning 15 out of 16 races, they changed regulations for going forward. So it's always happened. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to have three questions next. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, why can't a normal driver who loves driving road cars drive a Formula One car? I mean, yes, you cannot race it, but do you believe it's easy to drive a Formula One car uh, no, and experience driving, it? Yeah, driving a Formula One car is, is not a difficult thing to do. It's right. just a car. It's got a throttle and a brake and it's got gears. But what I think a lot of people don't appreciate is how uncomfortable it is to drive a Grand Prix car. It's very raw. It's very power, brake, right. start, stop. It, it's not sophisticated its performance. So even if you take a high performance um, road car like a Ferrari or whatever car you mentioned, they, they, they're sanitized to a certain level with traction control and brake steer and air conditioning and leather seats, you know, the acoustic tests to make it a comfortable proposition for someone to buy. Of course they're fast and of course they go around Nürburgring and whatever time they go, they go right. around. But they're so slow in comparison to a Formula 1 car Correct. or even a Formula 3 car yeah, or yeah, of course. BMW, a Formula BMW yes. because you're not comparing apples with apples, you're comparing a road car with a racing car and racing cars are just built for speed and nothing else So uh, these days people are you know, struggling to get a single Formula 1 car to the circuit and well, Red Bull has two teams and here as well you've bought the Kinky Kali and the Abbey as in the, R the RB7 and the RB8 here you have two cars over here. So when you have to choose between the two girls, which one do you actually decide? Well, neither of the cars I, I race. So for me, it's a pleasure to have a, a brief affair with either of them while I'm here in India and have a little bit of fun. But uh, the, the technology moved forward from when I stopped in 2008. Okay, so the last question, and this is very crucial for us. So we're a podcast which is about Formula One, all about passion. There's no money, and you get paid to talk Formula One. What do we need to do to get to your level, apart from winning 13 Grand Prix? <laughs> I have no formal qualifications for 
broadcasting whatsoever. So I think uh, you can assume from that the only reason I'm here is because I won 13 Grand Prix. Damn it, we'll never okay. make it. <laughs> we, we, I don't think we can fit in any of the Kylie's or the Abbey's. You, you've got too big a shoulders, I think. That's sweet. Yeah, it's too big. You, you, your listeners can't see how big your shoulders are, but yeah, you wouldn't fit in the car. Well, this was followed by uh, the V8 Fire Up. We got to hear the engine and you're going to hear it too. Raj, should we do the honours? Yes, let's do the honours. Just, I'm, I'm going to press the buttons like the, <laughs> the Renault F1 team engineer was doing. You know, you saw, you see, he had some, something, you know, it was like a, a, an on and off button, which constantly was uh, helping rev the engine <laughs> up whenever he wanted at will. My Nintendo joystick has more buttons. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I really would love to hear one of those engine engineers play either the Janagan or Mano or something. You know, they can actually tune the engine. Yes, to do they, do, they do, they but do. Well, for now, let's just hear the fire up. Okay, so come this Sunday in the morning, we actually went to the the, the necklace road where, well, uh, the F- Formula One show run happened. Uh, it was also accompanied by this very, very talented Lithuanian stunt bike champion. His name is Aras and he, he really, really, really scorched the track. He, he was, was brilliant. He was awesome. I, I honestly am never a fan of two wheels. Yes. But when I saw him do things that he did on two wheels, I was amazed. Like I have Instagram videos, which you know I'm going to upload on our Facebook and Google Plus pages. Mm-hmm. I think for over a minute, minute and a half, he was only on one wheel. I don't even know what it takes to do that. You know, my, my dad would be really surprised. He doesn't know how to drive a bike. The man doesn't know how to drive on a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I heard one of the f- female fans out there uh-huh. asking, I mean, what is the kind of training you need to do to be a two-wheeler stunt biking champion? Yes, and we don't know that. But we do know that he's really, really awesome. Uh, we have a lot of videos and pictures lined up that you will see in due course of time. And we're just trying to get everything together and make yeah, a collage. There's just so much content. It's an <laughs> overload, Rishi. Yeah, let's not forget uh, uh, there were many dignitaries over there. I got to host the event and while doing that, I saw um, David actually, you know, give the signal for the firing up of the engine, go for the uh, donuts, go for the for, for the burnouts. And, and something I saw, Kunal, that I wasn't able to actually understand is he was locking up the brakes and tires on purpose. To create some 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 smoke, obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, Pirellis were smoking, which is a good thing. Uh-huh. And uh, he would have probably used his brake bias to adjust a front bias so that you know his rear wheels spin out even more so. But apart from the technicals, Rishi, what really had me interested mm-hmm. is that I didn't see a single spot vacant. People were almost waiting to jump over the barricades to get closer to the action. But isn't that fantastic? And and we've asked this question to David and. If Formula 1 fans are so enthusiastic about Formula 1, why is Formula 1 not there in our country? Well, for absolutely different reasons, which we've spoken about. But to me, there is a lot that Formula 1 can learn from Red Bull when it comes to marketing the sport. We had more people watching David and Aras today than there were in the last edition of the Indian Grand Prix. Yeah, which makes me then believe that, you know, if one car could attract so many people Mm -hmm. and a a car literally just uh, doing donuts for that matter. Okay. Imagine if there were 17 more cars on the track, Mm -hmm. crackling their engines and trying to get to the next corner before the other. Wouldn't that be more fun? Well, I imagine why. And the question remains unanswered, but I had a great time and I took a lot of selfies 
and Kunal's taken a lot of selfies and there are a lot of listeners that came and took selfies with us. Yes, that was extremely interesting. You know, I bumped into at least 15 people while you were hosting, Rishi. Mm-hmm. And in, in marketing terms, I did some bit of consumer immersion to understand. <laughs> there were people who came from indoor. There was somebody who I met. There were actually two people who came from Bangalore. One from Nagpur. One, one, was, one of them was from Nagpur. Somebody from Bombay who you also met. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I'm going to play a few fan bites to let people know, uh, you know, how the experience on ground was. But I'll tell you, I was looking for that one fan who I couldn't find, who came here just to see the entertainment mm-hmm. and then turn around and say, hey, you know what? I loved it today. I don't really watch Formula One, mm-hmm. but I will tune into the Chinese Grand Prix this weekend. I know I'm asking for too much. <laughs> <laughs> so here's me with a quick bite of three fans I met on ground. I'm here with Latesh, who's come here all the way from Bangalore. Uh, he's one of our earliest listeners of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. His inputs to the awards have been invaluable. What's up, Latesh? How are you today? I'm absolutely eclectic today. And after seeing the Red Bull Racing RB7 in action, I've got wings to fly now. <laughs> So where are you originally from, Latesh? I'm originally uh, ba- born and based in uh, Korba, Chhattisgarh. Then moved to, then studied in Nagpur, Maharashtra. Then specifically as the both international circuit got laid up, my interest moved to Delhi. I relocated to Delhi, settled up as a, uh, with a job over there. And as Indian Grand Prix said, said bye to uh, the Formula One fraternity, uh, I left Bang. I left Delhi and moved to Bangalore. <laughs> <laughs> so you've come all the way from Bangalore to Hyderabad to see the run. Why would you do that? Absolutely. Actually, I must say uh, thank you, Kunal and Rishi, because of your podcast. I came to know that Red Bull Showrun is in Hyderabad, and what's the, what? What's more, it's on Sunday, and I have finalized my weekend to be here and check the Red Bull cars in action. Perfect. Thank you very much, Ladesh. Okay, where are you guys from? Which city? Yeah, India. Hyderabad. Hyderabad, India. Okay, what are your names? My name is Dev. And yours? My name is Arhan. And how old are you guys? I'm 10, he is 6. 6. So why are you guys here this morning? Red Bull. Red Bull, well, how about you? Red Bull. So what did you guys like about today's program? Arashan is biking. And? Did you guys like David Coulthard as well? Yeah, do you watch Formula One? I love watching Formula One. Yeah, what's your favorite team? Uh, Ferrari. Ferrari, okay, yours? Red Bull. Red Bull, okay, lovely. Thank you guys so much. A big thank you to our fans. Thank you very much. Keep listening. All right, we're working very hard to get together everything we did did over here. And, and in the last three podcasts, you've heard a lot of the Red Bull F1 show run. We're also trying to get together the weekly pre-Chinese Grand Prix podcast for you. We have a lot of videos coming up very soon. We have a lot of pictures coming up on our Facebook page. So keep liking, keep sharing, uh, keep increasing the listenership uh, of the Inside Line F1 podcast and, and, and the viewership, if I may say so. Because it is the fans and the listeners mm-hmm. that have that have been our power to getting here in Hyderabad today. We should actually bow down. I know they can't mm-hmm. see us. Well, we absolutely should bow down to each one of them. It was absolute fun doing it, Rishi. We should do this for a living. So I've been talking to Bernie about it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Red Bull. Thank you, David. This was so much fun. And thank you to Rishi as well. It was absolutely awesome doing this podcast with you as well. Kunal, are you retiring? We leave the retirement talk for David. Trust me. <laughs> Guys, it was so much fun eating his donuts.
And did that sound wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.